The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, that was not a fun USDA report day on Friday as the USDA seemingly threw a bearish gut punch at the markets with a lot of data thrown at the trade and a lot of numbers that probably won't make uh, too many people very happy in farm country. We're going to talk about it here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have a lot of ground to cover on the show today. So uh, buckle up as we're going to go through the USDA reports and get reaction to what we saw from the reports and from the trade on the day Friday as we head into a three-day holiday weekend. We got Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday, so the markets are going to have a three-day break here to digest the USDA numbers, which included uh, the final corn and soybean yields for the U.S. for the 2023 crop, and it included a record corn yield in those numbers, 177.3 bushels per acre, well above the range of pre-report expectations. Soybean yield also climbed to a national average of 50.6 bushels per acre. We saw corn production pegged at 15.34 billion bushels. Soybean production clocked in at 4.17 billion bushels. That was just a couple of the numbers that stood out. We got larger world-ending stocks. We got some cuts to South American crops, especially in Brazil. There's just a lot to unpack here. We're going to do it today on the program. Coming up, we're going to have a roundtable discussion with Christy Van On. She sits with Van On and Company and Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and ATI Pro Media. They will give us their perspective on the USDA reports and what it means for the market trade moving forward. So that is coming up here in just a little bit today on the show. First up, though, we get some instant reaction from Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX. I talked to Arlen on Friday after the release of the reports right around midday as the markets were starting to turn lower with the bearishness of the USDA numbers. He highlights the top numbers and gives us some thoughts heading into the weekend. I guess the optimists will say maybe we'll get this one big flush out of the way and then finally can get the bearish stuff behind us. But let's start first with the U.S. numbers as USDA revised upward the size of the corn and soybean crops from this last year. A little better than 30 million bushel higher soybean yield production estimate on higher yields and taking that yield up to 50.6 bushels per acre. Corn going up to 177.3 bushels per acre, 108 million bushel increase there. They cut back harvested acreage of both trying to offset the higher yield a bit. The bigger crops going into the balance sheet. Now, USDA did pump feed usage of corn up 25 million and ethanol demand up 50 million trying to offset the big increase in corn production, but it still left us with higher ending stocks. As we look at quarterly stocks, um, where all those production numbers flowed into wheat at 1.410 billion bushels was about 23 million bushels above what the trade expected within kind of the realm of air margin of error. Corn at 12.169 billion bushels because of that bigger crop. That was 119 million larger than expected. Soybeans at 3 billion 
bushels, even as of December 1, 25 million above what was expected. Then you go to the South American crop, USDA cutting the soybean crop in Brazil to 157 million metric tons, down 4 million metric tons from last month, but not as big of a cut there as what was anticipated. They did cut about 2 million metric tons off of Brazil's corn crop. Soybeans in Argentina go up by 2 million metric tons. No change to Argentina's corn. When you look at winter wheat seedings, that's where the friendly numbers were at. Total winter wheat acreage coming in at 34.4 million acres. And that was over a million acres less than what the trade expected, over 2 million acres less than what we saw last year. But with the bearish numbers in corn and soybeans, we just couldn't get a break either. Well, and you look at all these numbers again, uh, seeing kind of this flush out led by soybeans, corn down as well, looking like it's going to break through some support levels. Uh, Wheat is kind of mixed too. Uh, Overall, this just uh, not a good way to end the week and head into a three-day holiday weekend, is it, Arlen? Yeah, absolutely. Where we finish today is going to be critical. Do we finish near session lows or are we able to come back off of these? That will be critical. Then we'll sit for three days before coming back on Tuesday, see how the market can recover. Let's keep in mind that we have geopolitical risks that are heightening this weekend. Middle East after the U.S. struck back at Houthi rebels in Yemen with a significant military attack there. Houthi rebels saying that they're going to retaliate. Could that broaden? the war in the Middle East affecting commodities, and then a key election in Taiwan that could significantly impact our relationship with China over the coming year, having an impact on these commodities as well. One risk is to the upside, the other's to the downside. A lot of things could happen over the weekend to keep our eyes on to as we come into trade on Tuesday. And once again, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joining us on our midday commentary on Friday, giving us a recap of uh, his thoughts on the USDA numbers. Again, uh, a lot to uh, take away from the USDA numbers, pretty bearish across the board for quarter beans especially, maybe leaning a little more neutral on the wheat side. And I would say uh, bearish uh, to neutral on the world side for corn, beans, and wheat. Uh, really just a, uh, a tough, tough trading day on Friday as you unpack these numbers. And taking a look at some of the highlight numbers here, just pulling these up real quick. Again, final U.S. corn yield, 173.7.3 bushels per acre. Production, 15.342 billion bushels. U.S. soybean yield came in at 50.6 bushels per acre with production up to 4.165 billion bushels. Now, USDA did cut harvested corn and soybean acreage. That helped a little bit to soften the blow. We got uh, winter wheat seedings. All winter wheat seedings came in at 34.425 million acres. That was below trade estimates. The Brazilian soybean crop was lower to 157 million metric tons, down from 161 million metric tons last month. Brazil's corn production was cut 2 million metric tons, down to 127 million metric tons. Still early on the corn side. They got to plant their safrita corn crop yet. 
Uh, but uh, USDA making a few cuts there. USDA raised Argentine soybean production by 2 million metric tons up to 50 million metric tons, and they left the Argentina corn crop unchanged at 55 million metric tons. Uh, you just you throw all this data at the markets with the WASDI, December 1st grain stocks, those final production numbers for the 23 U.S. quartered soybean crops, the winter wheat and canola seedings report. It's just a huge data dump that gets thrown at the markets uh, to round out a week and then head into a three-day holiday weekend, as I was talking about with Arlen Suderman there. Uh, we got a lot of other things uh, that need to be watched in this market, uh, especially some of the geopolitical issues and the war issues overseas that a lot of traders are going to have to kind of take with them into the long weekend and digest all the numbers. And, you know, funds, a lot of funds have been getting out of these commodity markets. So, It'll be interesting to see just how low these markets have to go before buying returns. Uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, finding pressure, uh, bouncing off the lows a little bit uh, throughout the trade after the initial report reaction. There's just there's a ton to unpack here, and we're going to do our best to do that. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Tommy Grisafi from Advanced Trading and Christy Vanon. She sits with Vanon and Company to recap the reports. That's coming up next here. We'll be back with more on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, the dust has settled on the USDA reports for the month of January. The big data dump from the government. Uh, a lot of numbers that probably lean bearish to the markets uh, overall, though, when we wrapped up trade on Friday. Heading into a three-day holiday weekend, uh, we fared better than I would have expected considering some of the data that was thrown our way. Joining us for a conversation, we've never done a roundtable here on Market Talk. We're going to change that. First with us, Christy Vanon Shesis with Vanon and Company and Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading. And uh, Christy, Tommy, thank you both for joining us here on the show today. Let's uh, let's dive into these numbers and... Um, Let's just start with initial reactions. Christy, I'll go to you first. Initially, got all this data from USDA. What was your big takeaway after seeing the reports? Yeah, um, I pretty much was like, son of a gun, here we go. This is, uh, this is a lot of bearish information, and that's something we had to dig through. And I think the market did a really good job. 447 is a level on corn that we've talked about quite a bit, and that's right where we closed on the day. So I'm going to call the day when especially with soybeans closing, you know, 21 cents off of their low as well. But there's a lot we have to work through. We have a record corn yield now, and these are semi-permanent numbers, right? They're never final, final, but they they use this January report to kind of set the tone and say, we think these are pretty close. And so these are the numbers we have to work with moving forward. And that's a really big production number for corn that we have to get through and work through. And I really thought you threw pretty much all the bearish information you could at corn and it did a good job shaking it off. If we do not hold this level, this, you know, 439 to 447 level on corn, 
there is a price count of 396. It's been a while since we've seen that price count, but if we don't hold it, that is in the books for the court market right now. Tommy, your thoughts, initial reactions to the USDA numbers. We were uh, live streaming on StreamYard like you taught me how to do. And I did say before uh, the number that I had traveled all over Iowa and I'd met a ton of farmers who were uh, caught really long. I work with a lot of folks in North Dakota. I know that they had a record yield, uh, poor basis. They're like, you know, I have an extra 100,000 bushels of corn. I just didn't think we can go much lower. Could we go much lower? And when a group of farmers comes to you and says, can we go much lower? We probably had to go lower. And I I agree. The market closed great. I was trading, as I told you, right up till 120. And uh, we even traded two cents higher than settle in corn. And we have this long holiday weekend. To be honest with you all, I was more worried about what's going on internationally with uh, gold up $40, crude oil. We have this long holiday weekend, Martin Luther King uh, holidays on Monday. And we're not, I was worried we come in on uh, Sunday, Monday night and the world's just a wreck and there's some more bombing. So shipping, as you look at shipping across the world, uh, something we talk about a lot now, like we are all experts on shipping, right? But uh, the we do know there's a problem in the Panama Canal and getting anything from Asia up and through Europe, you know, price of shipping's really exploded. So I thought, I thought that was going to uh, hurt the the markets overall. Let's get the bad news out of the way. It was a bearish report. The markets did a great job digesting it. Put Think of it this way, guys. Turn your farmer, you know, we work with farmers. We're rooting for the farmer. Put your end user hat on. I mean, if you mm -hmm. work with 10 ethanol plants, uh, you would be selling puts. You'd be buying calls. You'd be buying futures. The end users getting to buy corn a dollar, $2 cheaper uh, than the American farmer thought where they're going to sell it. So if you're a foreign country like uh, Japan, China, Mexico, uh, that American corn's on sale and it got a little cheaper today, but I think it's a, a value area here. Well, I look at all the numbers and again, we, we mentioned it, a record corn yield out from USDA. You look at all the numbers getting plugged into quarterly grain stocks. We got the winter wheat seedings numbers out too. We got some Brazil and Argentina numbers and, you know, all in all, both of you mentioned the markets kind of settled out uh, fairly decently on the day Friday. Christy, I'll, I'll come back to you here. Um, as I look at how things plugged into the ending stocks, you know, not that big of changes really it, when, it, when it all breaks down. I mean, I think at the end of the day, something to what you know, Tommy was alluding to a little bit, I mean, we've talked about this before. We just have a ton of corn specifically uh, here, not only in the U.S., but on the world balance sheets as well, Christy. Yeah, you know, 2.1 to 2.2 is not a big difference, right? It, it is an increase, but anytime you're above 2 billion bushel carryout, you know, it's not all that friendly corn. And so um, if we can drum up some demand, ethanol has been profitable. If you look at this market right now and see corn market and say, hey, ethanol is profitable. And now you're looking at the prices that we have. This is a good thing eventually for corn because we need to get to the next stocks and say, hey, we really picked up the pace of using this corn and chewing through some of it. Feed use when you talk about um, cattle guys, hog guys being able to get this. Um, this is a price they haven't been able to see in quite some time. So to be able to drum up that demand, that's what we need to do when we have the carryout levels that we have right now. So hopefully we're able to kind of dig out of this hole and do it. But as far as trading goes, we have to remember that managed money is aggressively short these markets. They don't hold short contracts of soybeans very long and they are short or soybeans. They've really sold these commodities. And so I think you caught everyone kind of leaning bearish and you're, you're keeping it that way. 
eventually these tides will switch. It's just getting through and saying, what does the trick? And today on a technical side, the way they held the numbers they needed to hell were a really great day. Yeah, very, very true. And Tommy, to Christy's point, you know, with the funds, a lot of uh, fund monies flowed out of commodities. I mean, you know, what's it going to take for us to get some of that money flow? And you brought up end users there as well a little bit ago. I mean, what's it going to take to get some funds back in here? I guess, how cheap do we have to get in order to get some money flow back into grains? Yeah, it, it it's interesting. The, uh, the, the, funds and money loves the stock market right now i mean they're all wondering why they didn't own nvidia it's up 180 percent last year it's up 12 percent this year uh the the great 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 i have to hedge my uh inflation risk with commodity trades ending and has ended we've still been seeing a little bit of elevated uh, cpi ppi inflation's not over but uh wall street has left the building and they like being a uh, a seller of commodities here well, I, overall, I look at these numbers and uh, the South American numbers, too. Let's talk about those a little bit. Um, got some cuts to Brazil's corn and soybean crops. Uh, Argentina, we actually raised uh, the corn crop estimate there. Uh, Christy, your thoughts on South America here first. Um, I'm not entirely surprised. I still feel like USDA is slow walking this just a little bit on, on some of their Brazil numbers. Yes, <clears throat> USDA is like consistently behind on the adjustments to Brazil's production always, whether that's increasing them, whether that's decreasing them, they take their time. So you usually start to see the private estimates um, move in one direction. You start to see CONAB move in one direction and then eventually USDA does. So I was happy to see the moves that you made. I do think that there's more cuts coming to Brazil's production um, for soybeans, but the, the sad truth is that you have some great conditions in Argentina and we need to look at them as a whole. And I don't want to sound overly bearish all the time. That's not what I'm trying to do. I think the dynamic has been bearish around these markets recently. But when you look at corn, you're coming into a very important time frame in corn in Brazil, like very important. That second corn crop is a huge corn crop and they're not off to a great start. They've had a lot of precipitation. You had a not ideal situation there for soybeans. Now you're getting all this moisture to try and get the soybeans off. You got to turn around and plant right away. So I think corn has its moments moving forward. It's just what is the first thing to give corn its support? And is that a technical formation like we saw today? Or is that moving forward and seeing Brazil start to really talk about the problems that they are going to have with their big second corn crop? Tommy, your thoughts on the Brazil numbers. Uh, do you think uh, anything of note there for you? USDA slow walking this a little bit? I'll, I'll switch a little bit. Somehow the farmer, at least farmers I work with, that every single farmer I thinks like it's a disaster down there and there's no grain and haven't you heard about Brazil and haven't you heard about this? And they forgot to realize how much they're just planting more and more and more and how big these countries are. And they can afford to, like like this year, Iowa had some production problems, but North Dakota and other states, South Dakota, just absolutely whopped on them. And if you're an Iowa farmer, you think it's all ending because you're going to have an average APH. But the North Dakota farmers had a great, uh, APH. So for an American farmer to not sell crops because they heard there's a problem in South America, I've always, to Christy's point, you know, the, the information coming out of the private analyst is so much better. And I don't actually know those people. So I can drive. I was in Iowa last night. I mean, I can drive to Iowa and see what's going on there. I, I've never been to South America. So I'm always scared to trade aggressively off that information. 
Well, once again, we're joined today by Tommy Grisafi and Christy Van Onshisith for a USDA report roundtable discussion here on Market Talk. We're going to continue coming up here after the break. Some of the closing numbers on Friday's session. March corn down 10 to 3 quarters, 447. March soybeans 12 and a quarter lower, 1224 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat 7 to 3 quarters lower, 596. March Kansas City wheat 3 quarters lower, 615 and a quarter. March spring wheat down a half penny, 699 and a half. February live cattle down 42, 171.37. January feeders 30 higher, 226.57. February hogs down 70 at 71.90. We will continue our conversation. More recap. We'll talk risk management and more coming up after this here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. market information that matters to you on market talk now back to jesse allen well we are joined today for a roundtable discussion recapping the usda january reports christy van on with van on and company tommy grisafi with advanced trading and i'd love to just talk some risk management with both of you here uh for a little bit uh, in grains here post usda reports you know we we look at basis and we look at things like that here. We talk about demand and end users and uh, just some thoughts for farmers to consider here because I think there's going to have to be a lot of uh, a lot of decisions might have to be made, especially if farmers need cash flow to book inputs for planting for 24. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that need to be considered. I think, Christy, you tweeted this uh, or put it out on X, uh, on-farm storage for corn uh, it was up there. I mean... I'll let you start, Christy. Thoughts here, risk management-wise, uh, in these grain markets right now? Yeah. <clears throat> On-farm storage is up 16% year over year. So you have to think of it as the fact that there is a lot of corn out there. So um, I also think that there's also a lot of corn on free storage or on paid storage. So if you could break it down to kind of see what off-farm storage is actually not sold. I think that would be a pretty aggressive year-over-year -year increase as well. And so these are the type of things that we have to um, adjust for our marketing plan and say, hey, if you were thinking of this target, um, we now probably should come down and say, hey, we're going to go and notch it down 10 cents and say, hey, with the dynamic that we have, we're going to look at this as our next target. Um, I kind of gave those choices to guys before the report. Um, guys or gals and i said hey you either react and, and and are okay with this market sliding or you buy some cheap puts to cover your your tail corn had very cheap options coming into this report um they are going to lose their value very quickly so it's kind of like a patch and then you need to make your decision um, but there were choices to make before it and i don't think there was one that was clearly better than the other you just need to know what your plan is and stick to it so now if you're looking at this market and saying hey i have to sell in the next 15 days for cash flow purposes. What should I do for corn? Um, you know, to be honest, we held a level we needed to hold. I'm willing to see it on Tuesday 
And if we get to this point where we're not moving, I have no problem selling at this level. It's not a great level. You're not gonna be happy with it, but the options to keep your foot in the door are actually really cheap for corn right now. And I think they should be utilized. And that's not me being a broker. That's honestly just the truth that you can get them really cheap because no one has an interest in these markets right now. Tommy, uh, you brought up the shipping issues earlier, and I'll, I'll throw that at you here as well. I mean, with some of the problems we have in the Middle East and the low water levels in the Panama Canal and thinking of end users, if they're going to start looking for corn, you know, cheap corn from the U.S. here or whatnot, I mean, what's your thoughts risk management wise here moving forward, say the next 30 days, Tommy? One of the people who might benefit would be the PMW. We can uh, we have plenty of grain up there, and we can get that out there in a timely fashion. The uh, in the travels and the speeches I did yesterday, uh, the the farmer one farmer before I went on stage said, "Tell us the good news, please give us good news." I went on stage and said, "You're really great at what you do. Uh, the USDA is going to tell you that tomorrow. And if that upsets you, I'm I'm sorry you don't suck at farming. I'm sorry." You didn't buy bad seed. I'm sorry you put in tile. I'm I'm sorry that you went to every precision planting course you ever could and that you upgraded your planter and you have your down pressure right. Like it, it, I can't sit here in front of a room full of people and pretend you're not great at what you do. The fact you forgot to sell it is be, beyond me. I still know no industry in the world that produces billions of dollars of product with no plan to sell it. And uh, they're getting a very expensive lesson. This is why since October 31st, when crop insurance was over, corn is now down 12% since October 31st. And the average farm operating uh, notes at 8%. Maybe someone's wealthy and they don't have an operating note, but they still lost that value on corn and could have been making 5% in a CD or some type of uh, short-term interest rate. So the uh, grain crops and holding and storing and ignoring, it worked so well for so many years. And there was always a situation that uh, bailed people out. And then one of the things I've been saying the last three months, Jesse, you've heard me say it. I said, what are you guys waiting for? You think Russia is going to reinvade Ukraine? Like what more bullish news do you want? I mean, a, a ton of Ukraine still knocked out of production and we're collapsing in price. So the world caught up and finally grew enough grain. And it, it's uh, it's very upsetting. I know guys and gals are upset, but Overall, to the point when we started to show, the markets did not have that bad of a day. I mean, the fact corn was down four before the report and closed down eight with a 177 yield, we should all be happy. Uh, we, we may gap open seven cents higher on Monday night. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, soybeans, too. Uh, you know, I think both of us or all of us have talked about this, how there was more farmers selling of soybeans off the combine here uh, this year. And that's kind of traditional. So I feel like on the case of soybeans, even though we had a bearish report, the soybean picture, you know, holding above this $12 level on futures on Friday, I'd say, again, that was a, a pretty good move there, too. Uh, thoughts on the soybean side as we move forward as well. Christy, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think guys did a really good job marketing soybeans. I'm going to give that to them. Um, it seems like, from my understanding, it's easier to let go of soybeans than it is corn. I don't know what it is. Um, but guys usually can can be okay with that. Um, we also got a nice rally in soybeans that if you didn't do your marketing all year long, you had a great opportunity to catch up and kind of close it out. It bought you time for cash flow purposes. It gave you some time on corn. Um, for the most part, basis wise, it was actually a decent basis throughout harvest. We had crush margins that were strong. Um, we had that demand off. When you look at it, um, as far as export sales and our shipping pace, we've been aggressive as the U.S. I was a little bit surprised 
USDA did not choose to come in here and increase exports for soybeans to kind of offset a little bit of that um, production increase. We're running about 3% above pace. Um, we're doing a good job, but it seems like maybe they want to wait and see what comes out of South America before they really start to make those changes. But we've done a good job when it comes to the bean demand. Um, and that was evident when you looked at the cash prices. And I think it gave guys plenty of opportunity. And really, um, you know, you had multiple chances in the 13s. And when you look at this market, I don't know, our target was 1201 on soybeans. Um, we got down to 1203 and bounced off of it. There's a good chance we'll probably start to look at some calls um, next week for soybeans just to cover up what we previously sold to a degree. Tommy, any thoughts for you in soybeans? Anything different than on the corn side for you? Well, we, you know, if you move to the 24 crops in corn and beans, we don't have crop insurance and uh, no. people have so much depended on crop insurance. And I, I think crop insurance is why we have this corn problem. When, when we had that 595, 591 floor last year, I talked to farmers all over the country. I'm like, you want to do anything? You want to sell anything? You want to hedge anything? They just kept saying, I have crop insurance. And I shake in my head, yeah, you do today, but you might not in a few months. And then, and so for 2024, we have zero crop insurance. We are January 12th. We have 40 some days till we'll know the Feb average. And folks are going to be really shocked if they come in with a, call it like a 460, 470 D 24 level and a uh, where'd we close today in no beans? It was uh, not good. We closed below, or at one point we were below twelve dollars, right? Mm -hmm. We were able to close above it. Barely. Am I am I off by a dollar? We were at twelve, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, it wasn't eleven. So yeah, I remember doing the live stream and my brother popped it up. He said, "Hey, no beans are uh, below twelve dollars." And you take what you buy in crop insurance level, and you you buy X amount percent. We're looking at that. Uh, through the federal government and doing some hedging that you're only guaranteed like a 1050 cash soybean today. That's today. A lot of things could happen. And I like what Christy said about next week, calling a few guys and saying, let's get some beans bought back. Uh, let's get, let's get some ownership back of these. Cause you think I, you would think China and the rest of the world's going to love them at this price. The other thing I'll add too, it's not just the American farmer who's caught long, but the Argentine farmer, the Brazil farmer, the whole world farmer is caught long grain. Hoarding worked so well during the Ukraine war, but if you didn't stop hoarding, you eventually get caught with it. And so uh, when the farmers are hoarding grain, yeah, you get like a 20 cent pop in basis, but you lose a dollar in futures. And so when I meet farmers, they're like, we're not going to sell. I'm like, fine, you, you're going to get a heck of a basis. You're still going to end up selling it. And so it's like everyone was acting all tough till you get these last few days, weeks and months. They're selling. There's, there's, the ownership of grain is switching from the farmer's hand to the end user's hand into the uh, commercial. And you'll start to see that in the numbers. It's very unfortunate, but it is happening. Well, Tommy, Christy, uh, great stuff. Before we wrap it up today, uh, final thoughts from both of you. Anything else you want to reiterate to folks uh, real quick? Christy, you go first. Yeah, I thought Tommy brought up a good point about um, 24. I feel like that's just not talked about right now. Everyone's so frustrated with the prices that we have right now that they're not talking about 24. Um, if we get back to $5, which I think we can for 24, I do think that's probably a, a point that you need to be a little bit um, realistic and say, hey, where are my break-evens? And should I be protecting this some way, somehow? And I think that's very important to be doing. Um, also, all the way out to 25, seeing $5 out there. Both of those are really big levels. Beans a little bit different, right? You're at $12. Um, I don't see as much activity there that people want to be looking at those prices. So I know that this crop can be frustrated. The, the ones you have in the bin can be so frustrated. 
but we are still in a, a very large carry market for corn. So don't forget to be focusing on that 24 and 25 moving forward throughout spring. Tommy, final thoughts from you? Well, yeah, it's uh, bull markets are fun, but over my career in grains, we spend a lot more time at lower prices. We're getting back to uh, those levels there. We will have vicious, vicious short covering rallies. Bear markets have vicious short covering rallies. Would not surprise me at all to see a 30, 40 cent pop within days in corn on some headlines, some news. But then what are we getting back to? 480 corn, 490 corn. So bear markets have vicious uh, short covering rallies. That is not the start of the next bull market. It's just uh, price action. If the fund's covered and a few other things happen in the world, we could have some uh, dynamic market moves here. Well, this has been fun and glad I didn't have to moderate it like a presidential debate. Uh, but we appreciate both of you being on the show with us today. Tommy Grisafi, Christy Van Anshisa, thank you both. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you both again real soon. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you. you. Once again, Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading, ATI Pro Media, and Christy Van Anshisa with Van On and Company joining us here for a USDA recap on Market Talk. We will wrap up our program for today. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Great discussion with Christy Van Onshiseth and Tommy Grisafi recapping the USDA reports from Friday. Uh, really cool to um, have a, a great roundtable discussion looking at the reports. Again, uh, just a lot to unpack here, a lot to take away as we move into a three-day holiday weekend with no markets Monday for Martin Luther King Jr. Day and then We'll get back to it on Tuesday and see what the continued market reaction is after a mostly bearish report day on Friday. We saw pressure in soybeans, corn, wheat, although we did bounce off the lows of the session, which was a good thing to see. I also, uh, on the day Friday, had a conversation with Kent Beadle from Paradigm Futures getting his reaction to the USDA reports, and we talked about the numbers and then talked about some risk management uh, ideas, and largely Kent uh, you know, said that outside of some of the bearish headlines, you plug a lot of the numbers in, and, and things were pretty much uh, about as he expected. He gives us some thoughts, though, uh, as we um, talk and really look at a lot of different decisions, a lot of tough decisions that are probably going to have to be made on the farm here over the next uh, couple of weeks with this downturn of the markets. Now, the full conversation can be found on the Market Talk YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at Market Talk Ag. You can listen to and view the full conversation with Kent Beadle, but I want to play this portion of it for you here on the show. Again, some risk management thoughts from Kent Beadle of Paradigm Futures uh, on some of those tough decisions that might need to be made here in the coming weeks. All of this data and uh, where the markets sit now and all those issues you mentioned with shipping, et cetera, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of tough decisions, I would say, amongst producers yeah. here as we go through the next 
couple of weeks, especially if if you got to move grain that's sitting on the farm to pay for inputs coming up for this 24 planting season. I mean, there's right. there's a lot of things that are a lot of hard conversations that are going to have to be had here in the next few weeks, Ken. Well, so a couple of things, you know, we may see. Um, this is likely to, to choke off some flow from the country at this point in time. Uh, so you should be watching for local basis levels and our basis levels getting any better. Uh, and then at that point, if you make some sales against some better basis levels, but with, you know, relatively for poor futures prices, you could, you know, um, enter into some, you know, lower risk uh, or or uh, or even long future strategies. Uh, but, you know, call spreads, call spreads with short puts uh, or just long calls in order to reown some of the bushels that you're selling at good basis, but lower futures prices. Um, I think that the other piece of the risk management that you're talking about is going to go to, you know, next year's planning, right? And I think this is going to become a market focus uh, very soon because um, with this uh, drop this week in futures prices and really at the end of last week too, uh, we've taken December corn underneath $5 and now we're sitting around $4.80 plus or minus. If you tack on a normal harvest basis nationwide, um, harvest basis nationwide is generally in the 30 under to 40 under area on an average U.S. basis. You've essentially put um, U.S. Uh, the average U.S. price of new crop corn to the grower at about four dollars and forty cents. And you know the math that I've been doing with break evens around the country suggests that that's probably about break even for the U.S. farmer. Now, there are more efficient producers who own their land who can probably produce corn for $4 or a little less. Mm -hmm. uh, if you rent land, you are producing corn for somewhere closer to $5 or a little bit more. And 40% of the acres in this country are rented. So if you do the math on all of that, 440 is a pretty good break even. Um, in my opinion, and you know, we're essentially right there with today's price action. So, you know, the question is, how many acres of corn are we going to plant? How many acres of corn are we going to fertilize for maximum yield? Right? Uh, these are the questions that the marketplace is going to deal with going forward. Um, how many acres of, of soybeans do we need, or are we going to plant at uh, at eleven dollars and you know, 80 cents or, or thereabouts, mm -hmm. um, that math doesn't work particularly good either. And when this has happened in the past, um, you know, you've seen certain certain things start to happen. You know, you you see a few acres uh, continue to, sh to shrink up. Again, you see less input costs being uh, uh, expended on the crop because you've got to tighten the belts up. And um, ultimately, these things can have some impact on uh, uh, on production longer term. You know, ultimately, we've still got weather to trade, you know, both uh, for the safrina crop in South America and for the U.S. crop this spring, as well as uh, the acreage uh, conversation that we're talking about. And we have a, a very long history of being able to uh, to rally at least sometime in the winter and spring, um, 
you know, through midsummer until the crop is made, uh, at least above uh, the high levels made here in the month of January. And in fact, that statistic is, uh, you know, uh, 32 of the last 34 years in corn and, uh, mm -hmm. and like 33 of the last 34 years in soybeans. So, um, you know, things are don't look great right now, uh, but from a, you know, risk management standpoint, uh, certainly you want to be will willing and ready to sell rallies, but uh, I'm not sure you want to sell uh, new crop uh, grain in the hole here after this report, because uh, the truth is, is that, you know, the, the balance sheets are, are, are not tight, but they are also aren't um, overly burdensome uh, historically. And once again, that's Kent Beadle from Paradigm Futures. You can learn more at ParadigmFutures.net. And you can see the full conversation and report reaction from Kent Beadle on the Market Talk YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube.com forward slash at Market Talk Ag, and you can find that full interview with Kent uh, on our YouTube channel. All right, we are out of time here today. A uh, busy, busy report day on Friday with uh, plenty of bearishness in the markets. Uh, but overall, uh, it looked like it could have been worse as the markets settled out on the trading session. We'll get back to it on Tuesday. That's going to do it for Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.